He believed he was almost, he was the only guy left on planet Earth. The only guy. And he complained because depression and discouragement had set in so deeply in his life that he thought, you know, Lord, I'm the only one left. There's nobody but me. And he was carrying the weight of the world. And God said, excuse me, I have 7,000 men who have not bent the knee to Baal. And you don't even know who they are. And you don't even know where they are. You think you're alone. You think you're carrying the weight of the world. But you're not. I am bigger than your problems. And he wanted God to speak so deeply. And, and there was a great storm. And wind came. And there was like an earthquake. And rocks split. And God wasn't in it. There's fire. No, God was not in it. It was the still small voice that was actually the one that penetrated the heart of this man. What do you expect to hear? What do you expect? If the truth of God was spoken this morning, would it make a difference in your life? Do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see and a heart to know and obey the Lord? What do you expect? Cheerleading? We could bring out the liturgical monkeys. They're really cute. I mean, really. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> What do you expect? I hope you expect that above all, you need Jesus. And then you need each other. Because that is family. And family are faithful. And I want to pray that you are ready to hear the truth. Abba, Father, would you please get our hearts ready. It's been a good week for some. It's been a bad week for others. We need you. We need each other. Speak, your children, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. Last week, we focused in on time management. And we learned that time management is really priority management. That's what it's really about. We all have 24 hours. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Okay? And so, therefore, we know the worth of people over things. We know the worth of family over people. We know the worth of marriage over family. And we know the worth of Jesus over marriage. And if you can get that priority structure in place, it all takes care of itself. Everything's going to work out if that is in place. All right. Now, today, uh, I want to talk about hope. So let's engage. Open up. You get to talk at Christ Church. Look at the pictures. If you could use your sanctified imagination... What is the basis for their smiles? Why are these children happy? What would you say? What's going on? They're interacting with each other. They're interacting, they're playing, which is good. What else? There's a care in the world. It seems like there's not a care in the world. Yeah. What's that? Innocence. Innocence, not a care in the world. There's, there's friendship, they're playing. What else? What's that? Bunny rabbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bunny rabbits are good. What else? Someone evidently thinks they're so important, they're taking a picture. So evidently there's some caring adults around, right? Behind the camera. Someone's taking the shot. Right? Anything else on why these kids are so happy? <laughs> There's your first prophetic word from, from the Lord today. 
Thank you, Edie. Yeah. Tell him you smile. What's that? And at the time, you better smile or you just wait. Yeah, yeah. So they're being intimidated into the smile. You guys, you know, you're psychologically giving yourselves away. You know, don't you? What else? Anything else behind the pictures? What you see? They're, right, obviously gestures of safety, their postures, their smiles, the games. And sure, obviously, there's just, a lot of these are stage photos. That's obvious, too. But, but there's some spontaneous photos as well. So someone else said something? Anybody else? What's going on with these kids? If you look in their eyes, you can see that their self-esteem. Good self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see any racial problems? No, no indication of racial issues. Uh, safe, they appear to be all safe. They're not, these, uh, no bruises, uh, no, no neglect, and um, you know, emotionally or physically, no neglect. So, yeah. Okay, now look at this one. What are your thoughts here? If I can get it to work, there we go. What about these people? They all committed suicide. That's the common denominator. They've all committed suicide. Every one of them. So you could be a world-famous chef. You could be a world-famous fashion designer. You could be considered one of the funniest comics, most talented stand-ups ever. You could be married to Mick Jagger. You could be a threat on the NFL football field that you're considered one of the number one best players out there. You could be considered a great actor. You could be a little girl who was so bullied that she decided she couldn't handle it anymore. Or an Olympic gold medal athlete. So what's the difference between the first you know, picture and all the, the happy kids and this one? What's the difference, Edie? <laughs> It's as though the first group had hope, and this group didn't have hope. Or maybe at one time they did. Brandon? Or that life that puts you down, that this is not all there is. Yeah. So that really is where your hope really yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you all have uh, ever had this sense in which you feel like maybe you're a little extra special. Uh, maybe above normal, and this is prior to the test or the life experience. And you know, when I go into marriage, it's going to be so good. <laughs> or when I go into parenthood, or when I start that job, I am going to show them what a real good employee looks. You know, whatever it is, you know, and because you're above normal, and you believe that somehow. And then all of a sudden you get in the thick of it, you know, you're very promising, you can drain the swamp, whatever that is, and then once you're up to your neck in alligators, you realize, you know, this is a lot harder than I thought. And all of a sudden you're very normal, just like everybody else. Very, very normal. And Edie, the hits of life can so bruise you and so take the wind out of you or the legs out from under you that you believe you are losing hope. And when someone loses hope, 
life can at times become unbearable. It can get that bad. Let me uh, comment about this, this slide here. This is uh, released from the uh, Center for Disease Control Prevention. From 99 to 2016, across the board, with, with one exception, uh, suicide rates have increased in the U.S. Arkansas has increased 37%. 37% in the state of Arkansas. Okay. So we have a problem. Why? Why? Why are so many Arkansans losing hope? Well, we can cut to the chase on a couple of levels. Um, can, can, we be, can we be honest for just a bit here? Does marriage really make you happy to the tune that it solves? It's best that no one comment at this point in the, in the, in the, in the sermon. To the point that it takes away all of your problems and makes you ultimately happy? No, it doesn't. Does having a child do that? Does it somehow take away all of your problems and somehow magically take you to gumdrops and gummy bears and unicorns and rainbows and sparklies? No, it doesn't. What about $100,000? Would that do it? Two hundred? Five hundred. <laughs> I sure like to try. You know, 500000 is that? Because do you, really, do you know the money that was represented on that first slide? among the suicide folk. I mean, ridiculous amounts of money. You know. They're talking about LeBron James. You know what his contract is going to be like wherever he goes? $36 million. Now, that's not even addressing endorsements or anything like that. Okay. You can have all the money in the world and lose hope. What did, what did Jesus say? What if a man gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What does he have? Nothing. He's lost it all. Lost it all. So let's look at this again. Let's look at this. I want to tell you a story. At the bottom left, this is a story about a man named Tony Bullimore, a British professional yachtsman. In 1997, Tony set sail on the Vendy Globe solo world race. Okay. He's by himself on this massive yacht, and he gets, he's in the, he's in the uh, uh, Indian Ocean, he gets into a gale storm, and the waves, uh, Jerry, you'll appreciate this, were five stories tall. And they were slamming down on his little craft. He was doing his best to, to navigate. One of the waves, perfect moment, comes crashing down, the yacht capsizes, and he's stuck inside the boat underwater. Now this is a little two meter by three meter little cabin area, and the, the air temperature is two degrees above freezing. That's how cold it is. It's pitch black. The boat's upside down, he's in it. And he's got to survive. Now as the story goes, he survived on chocolate, <laughs> some chocolate that he had, and some, a small device to filter out salt water so he could have something to drink. He managed to find that. He survived five days. Five days. And the scene in this picture is he had just been res rescued. Hypothermia, a frostbite had set in and he, he, he couldn't use his hands. All right. 
five days in the dark of the hole. This is what he, what he said about what, would ha- what had happened. He said that uh, for five long days, Tony survived until Wednesday, the Royal Air Force plane located him, dropped an electronic probe next to his yacht, and he could hear the pings. With hope rising in his heart, he started tapping on the hull to communicate to whoever was listening that he was alive. Early the next morning, the HMAS Adelaide drew alongside and some sailors were dispatched to bang on the hall. Tony heard the banging, took a deep breath, and swam out through the wreckage of his yacht to meet them. How did he feel at the moment, Bullimore says, when I looked over at the Adelaide? I could only get tremendous ecstasy that I was looking at life. I was looking at life. Now, can you imagine Pitch black for five days. What happens when you lose sensory input? You can't see, you can't hear. You've heard of you know, chambers that rob you of all, all sensory input. What you do, you go insane. Can you imagine? Five days, pitch black. And you're experiencing life by what you feel, by temperature and sound, and that's it. He said he saw life. Okay. Let's look at this. Everybody turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to see this if you've got your scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to, to see hope from the standpoint of a church that was experiencing persecution. This is what the scripture says. Therefore, brothers, and whenever you see brothers, by implication, sisters. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have since, the Greek word is echo, just like there's an echo in the room. The word echo implies possession. It means that you possess something that has importance. It describes what normal Christians possess and how it guides their, their everyday routine behaviors and values. It's a participle verb, echo, since. It's used twice. Since we have, well, what do we possess? What are the two things we possess? Well, we possess confidence. Confidence to do what? To enter the very presence of Almighty God. If you heard truth this morning, would it make a difference? If you heard truth this morning, would it make a difference? You possess confidence to enter the presence of Almighty God. Not as though he's ready to beat you up, but like a child laughing and happy with life in their eyes. And then secondly, you have a high priest. You possess the high priest over the house of God. Who is the high priest? Who is it? 
Jesus. It's Jesus. He's yours. He's yours. So we have two things we possess. Access, confident access to God. And we have that, quite frankly, through the high priest over the house. Now look at this. Because we possess those two things, we have two verbs that say we've got to do something about it. So number one, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Do you know what, Edie Burrell? Hope is something you talk about. It's a confession of hope. Hope isn't something you keep to yourself. It's something you talk about. We hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us also consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So let's summarize. It looks like this. Since you have confidence that you can access God, since you have a great high priest over God's house that will give you full entrance to his Father, then draw near. Do it. If you heard the truth of God, would it make a difference in your life? Or are you waiting for the charismatic monkeys to do flips? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? The Holy Spirit is a still small voice that can cut like a razor. If you heard the truth, would it make a difference in your life? Did you know that any story that encourages you, another one can discourage you? Did you know that? Are you waiting for the really funny joke? Are you waiting for the really powerful story that makes you reach for the Kleenex? What do you, what do you want? If you heard the truth of God's word, would it make a difference in your life? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. You possess, if you're born again, you possess confidence. It's yours. You possess, have access with, through the great high priest over the house of God. Draw near. Hold fast. Consider, work at stimulating each other to love and good deeds. And then he says, as as a concluding comment, Don't forsake your own assembling together. Do you know why we shouldn't forsake our assembling together? Why? It's common sense. It's staring at you, Chris. Why? You can't do those three to five. (laughs) You can't do three to five. That's why. The the pronouns, are they singular or plural? plural? They're all plural. We possess confidence we have access to the high priest we draw near we hold fast to the confession of our hope we consider how to stimulate each other's love and good deeds we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some people but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near you are the gifted body of Christ This is the pure truth of God's word. This is it. Now, as those who represent all the gifts, we we collectively represent the gifts. Counsel, give us wisdom, give us advice, give us warnings, give us encouragement, speak words of grace and mercy. How do we lay hold of the new and living way when, when for some reason we were kind of caught up with this, this thing of 
you feel like we've lost hope? And being the greatest chef in the world and being able to go to parts unknown and do all those kinds of things and write books and be a good salesman for your, with your ideas still doesn't give us hope. You are the gifted body of Christ. If you heard God's truth this morning, would it matter? Can you confess hope? Counsel yourselves. Yeah, thank you, Melissa. Isolation leads to despair. Despair leads to more isolation. Absolutely. And at that point, you're losing hope. Yeah, we need each other, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Someone else, why does this matter? Hmm. 
Yes, yes. Uh, Edie, do you recall the scripture that talks about putting your heart, setting your hope on money? Do you recall? It says don't do it. Don't set your heart on money. Money will do what? Sprout wings and fly away. (laughs) It just flies away. Yeah. A man's life does not consist in what he owns. Yeah. And sometimes, if, if we could really be honest, we really put our hope in things, don't we? We really do. Yeah. Michael? I'm just sitting here reflecting on my own journey. And Scripture likens faith as the starting off as a baby sucking on mother's milk and then growing and maturing. And the hope that I experience now is so much different than it was when I first came to know Christ. Mm. The joy now is so much different. And what I mean by that is that, I mean, when you're when you're new in Christ, I think my prayers were probably 99% selfish. <laughs> you, you just, you kind of don't really know any better. But God was still faithful to answer a lot of those prayers. And it brought a smile to my face. But I was also still driven by the ups and downs. I, I could have been tossed by the waves. <laughs> 15 years later, uh, even in the midst of going on with with uh, health issues with my mom now, my joy is like, I mean, I was remarking to our Thursday morning group, I don't know that I ever thought that I would get to a point where I could see positives in something like my mom being in the hospital. And yet, two weeks after this has all happened, here I am experiencing a relationship with my father that I've never really had in the last 15 to 20 years because we're finally communicating. Uh, and God is intervening in other ways that I'm just not going to share as well. But it's like, that's the difference between my joy 15 years ago and joy today. And that is called maturity. That's so good. So if your life capsized like a yacht and you were caught in a in a two meter by three meter little box pitch black and your life depended on what you possess at that moment just like tony bullimore survived for five days on some chocolate he found and a device that can extract you know some decent tolerable drinking water what do you possess that that fights against hopelessness. What do you possess that would make your life worth living? What do you possess that's yours? Echo. It's yours. You possess it. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Yes. Yes. And your great high priest, Lee, can take you by the hand and march you straight in to the presence of Almighty God. He sure can. You remember the story? I was in, I was in Guatemala. Uh, I had my briefcase stolen, Barbara. I had every piece of identification that I needed gone. Passport, visa, tourist card, driver's license, plane tickets. I lost it all. Couldn't prove who I was. And so to get out of country, they hired a lawyer, Francisco Lemus, went into the immigration office. He literally took me by the hand and walked me into the back bowels, the internal offices of that building. And they built a temporary passport and got me out of the country. Jesus Christ is your great high priest. He can take you by the hand and march you straight into the throne of God. These are things you possess. They're yours. Because of those things, you get to make a decision. Andrew Lowry, those three verbs are subjunctive. You get to make a decision. Maybe you will, maybe you will not draw near. Maybe you will, maybe you won't hold fast. Maybe you will, maybe you won't consider. It's literally up to you. It's a decision you're going to make. It's going to be something that you choose to do because what you possess has such value, you're compelled to do so. Where's your heart? I want to pray for you. Abba Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way that you love us in an unfailing way. And you continue to draw us to you. Thank you for the people in this family who are faithful. Lord, help us to work hard, to draw near, to hold fast, and to work hard at how we can be encouraging each other to do the things that are good and right, to love and to do good deeds, to grow each other up. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.